Our first lesson for this morning is from Exodus chapters 33 and 34. Then Moses said, Please show me your glory. The Lord said, I will make all my goodness pass in front of you, and I will proclaim the name of the Lord in your presence. I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and I will show mercy to whom I will show mercy. He said, You cannot see my face, for no human may see me and live. The Lord also said, Look, there is a place next to me where you shall stand on the rock. It will happen that while my glory passes by, I will put you in a crevice in the rock. I will cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will take away my hand, and you will see my back, but my face will not be seen. The Lord came down in the cloud. He took his stand there with Moses and proclaimed the name of the Lord. The Lord passed by in front of him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger and overflowing with mercy and truth, maintaining mercy for thousands, forgiving guilt and rebellion and sin. He will by no means clear the guilty. He calls their children and their children's children to account for the guilt of the fathers, even to the third and the fourth generation. The word of the Lord. What in the world are we doing talking about Moses on Christmas Day? Moses, the, the baby pulled out of Egypt's Nile River in a, a little basket, lived 1,500 years or so uh, before the little baby nestled in an animal's feeding trough in Bethlehem. Although this might seem to be a different kind of reading for a Christmas morning, um, there are some good reasons to hear it on this special day. The Lord had told Moses to take his people up into the land that he had promised to them. But Moses asked the Lord to assure him that he was going with him and his people. He wanted to see the Lord's glory, and the Lord agreed. He would pass before Moses, but if Moses, a regular sinful person, was going to somehow witness the glory of the Lord, Precautions would have to be taken. Otherwise, the, the majesty, the glory, the divinity, the holiness of the almighty and eternal God would be too much. And Moses would die on the spot with, such a, with just a glance. It's not too hard for us uh, to picture being out among the, the mountains and the cliffs and the, the rocks and to imagine a a crack there, a crevice large enough to slide into. That's what God would do for Moses. He would, he would put him in one of those. Then his protecting power would spread across the opening, shielding Moses from, from seeing him fully. Only a, a glimpse of the Lord from behind as he was passing by was all he would see. But that would be enough. God is not flesh and bones, so that's not what Moses witnessed there. But instead, a brilliant flash of divine glory. Equally as important as seeing the glory of the Lord was later hearing him declare his name and his nature. Qualities like compassion 
and grace and patience and mercy and forgiving and just. And all of these things with a divine protection beyond Moses and our capacity to understand. This time, the Lord's glory was veiled with a cloud as he spoke to Moses. What we're reminded of here is that sinful people are incompatible with the holy God. We and God cannot exactly be who we are in front of each other, and yet neither can be anything but what they are. Sinful people cannot share space with a perfect and holy Lord because he can't take the imperfection. And God can't reveal himself fully to sinners or we wouldn't even survive the sight of his glory. This is a problem, not just for this life, but for eternity also. But God had a plan. He had a way to work all of this out, didn't he? The promises of God over many years shared parts of the plan, and it came to life with the birth of a child in Bethlehem. There, Emmanuel was born. Emmanuel, God with us. God came down from heaven and he shielded himself, dealing with people then just as he had dealt with Moses long before. This time, that divine majesty and the glory of the moment was shielded by things like humble parents and a little town outside of the big city and the dark of night and the soft flesh of an infant. Mary and Joseph and shepherds could stare into the tiny face looking up at them from the manger and they could only tell that he was God in the flesh by the things they had been told about him. His divinity, his glory, his majesty was hidden underneath, beneath the skin. The masked glory of Christ did not merely pass by. It remained. As he grew from a Bethlehem baby to a boy in Nazareth to the man that we read all about in the Gospels. Oh, we see his humanity in the sleeping and the eating and the crying and things like that. But glimpses of his glory were evident too, just like the Lord's glory was partially seen by Moses. He would show glimpses of his glory in the form of powerful preaching and heart-stopping miracles and fulfillment of messianic promises. You couldn't see it in the manger, but, but glimpses of glory would come. And ultimately, what did not look glorious truly was. The cross that he would offer himself on would be for our glory. And his glorious resurrection would be the stamp of victory both for him and for us. In all of his life, in all of this, all of those qualities that God revealed to Moses were evident in Christ also compassion and grace and mercy and forgiveness. And yes, his justice too. 
you see it there at the end. Those who reject Christ, who, who see Christmas as unimportant or as a holiday that is not connected to a Savior, will see the justice of God. Generation after generation of those who reject the Christ child will find themselves without him eternally. With profound humility on this Christmas morning, we thank God for his grace, for allowing us to see with the eyes of faith the glory of the baby in the manger, who is God in the flesh, and for giving us the gift of eternal life by faith in him. We pray. Lord, we praise you for your glory and majesty and for showing yourself in a way that we, as sinful people, can endure in the person of Jesus, your Son, true God in human flesh. In him we see divine glory veiled, yet evident in his words and works that have brought us salvation. We look forward to the day that we see you, the one true God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, in all your glory for all eternity. Amen. My seventh grade brain was having trouble one day in confirmation class. Church and the Bible were pretty new to me at that time, and apparently my English needed a lot of help too. These words from Romans chapter 8, which were the memorization verses for that morning, uh, were tripping me up. So before school started, moments before I was to walk up to the pastor's desk and recite these words to him, I told Pastor Mueller that for some reason I just couldn't understand the wording of the last part, so it was hard to memorize. I vividly recall that moment. I have no idea what he said. <laughs> but it was like he switched the, the, the light switch and and it made sense to me. I, I got it. That experience, I think, really solidified these verses in my mind, at least the content of them. Don't ask me to quote it. And what important words these are, not just for a kid memorizing them in confirmation class, but for all of us to know. And Christmas is a wonderful time to consider these. The words of Romans chapter 8. What then will we say about these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Indeed, he who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also graciously give us all things along with him? Moses wanted to know with absolute certainty that God was on his side. Very likely, every one of us who is here this morning feels that God is on our side because it's Christmas and we're here in God's house with friends and family and, and trees and lights and beautiful Christmas songs and, and the deep impact that Christmas has on our lives and our eternal life is heard from Scripture. We're happy here, and we know that God is with us and that he is for us. That's why we go back in time and we look into the manger, 
the Father sent his Son, Jesus, for us. What these words from Romans truly say is that since God is for us, no one can be against us. It's vital for understanding these words to know that just before them, Paul had written about how God knew us before we were even born, and he picked us out and chose us to be his children. Since that is fact, this is fact too. No one can be against us in the sense that they would be victorious over us. Not Satan, not those who reject God, not even death itself. A few verses after these, he declares that, that we are more than conquerors and that nothing can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. That's the key, isn't it? God is for us, so nothing can really be against us. And the proof is not only Christmas, but also the cross. God gave up his own son. Jesus left heaven to come into this world to be human like us, to be sinless unlike us. This is God in the flesh. True God and true man in one person. His sinless life would serve as a sacrifice that paid for our, our sins and as an expression of love for us and for all people. Salvation is ours and it is secure in Christ. Since God gave up his son for us to bring us forgiveness and salvation, <clears throat> the greatest thing that he could ever do for us why would he not take care of everything else we need? It wouldn't make any sense if he didn't. And the fact is, he does. Sometimes we think we're smarter than God. We think that, that we know what we truly need in this life. That's exactly the kind of thinking Jesus came to save us from. And sometimes we don't appreciate the things God has given us in this world. Jesus came to pay for that sin too. And it even happens that we think little of the biggest thing that he has done for us. Giving up his son for us and by the power of the Holy Spirit giving us faith to believe. Oh, that might be easier at Christmas time. But as the decorations are put away and we ease into enjoying the gifts that we have received we may think less about how special it is that God sent his son for us. For these things too, God's one and only son has earned our forgiveness. God has given us Jesus. We see him in the manger, and we see the cross out there in the distance, and we know that God has sent his only son for us. And if God is so loving that he would do that, he will give us all that we need for this life as we live in expectation of being with him in heaven. We pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for the gift of your Son, whom you sent into the world. In sending Jesus to be our Savior, you expressed your love for a world of sinners, including each of us. We treasure the forgiveness you give to us through him and know that since you have taken care of our greatest need, 
you will also continue to give us all that we need for this life and all that we need to keep us as your children until the day comes that we see you in all your grace and glory. Amen. The Christmas Gospel from John chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him everything was made, and without him not one thing was made that has been made. In him was life, and the life was the light of mankind. The light is shining in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as an eyewitness to testify about the light so that everyone would believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to testify about the light. The real light that shines on everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not recognize him. He came to what was his own, yet his own people did not accept him. But to all who did receive him, to those who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. They were born not of blood or of the desire of the flesh or of a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and dwelled among us. We have seen his glory, the glory he has as the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. John testified about him. He cried out, This was the one I spoke about when I said, The one coming after me outranks me because he existed before me. For out of his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God. The only begotten Son who is close to the Father's side has made him known. The Gospel of our Lord. <clears throat> Some of you have done things like this, or you have had family members who did, or our family is just weird, maybe. Sometimes rocks were put in the boxes with the presents just to throw off the person who was receiving them, to keep them from guessing what was inside the box. And then they were wrapped with innocent-looking wrapping paper. Occasionally, a lot of duct tape was used on the boxes, usually when there was rocks involved. And so there, there the gift sat, its unexpected state camouflaged by that innocent-looking wrapping paper until it was removed. At other times, lots of boxes were used nested inside each other like Russian dolls. That meant that the recipient had to, to work and to wait to find out what the gift was. Teenage boys like this kind of thing. At least Kohler boys, going back a generation or maybe two. It seemed funny to make the person work to get the gift. As we look at the, the birth of Jesus and we see God in the flesh, it's really about getting past the wrapping and getting to the gift, isn't it? God's intention was not to be funny or to make people work to see who Jesus really was. It was simply a fact 
that the glory of God the Son was hidden behind human flesh. On the outside, there was, there was nothing special about him, nothing out of the ordinary. Jesus looked like any other person. He was not the human equivalent of a beautifully wrapped gift with fancy bows on it. In fact, Isaiah said this about him. He had no attractiveness and no majesty. When we saw him, nothing about his appearance made us desire him. Jesus, the eternal God who created all things, came into the world. But his divinity was, was covered by human flesh and blood. The episode with Moses helps us to understand why. How hard it was for some to get past the wrapping. The truth is, sinful human beings would never get past seeing Jesus as just an ordinary person. None of us. Unless the Holy Spirit intervened. As Jesus showed that he was more than the human being he appeared to be, people rejected what they saw in him and heard from him. Miracles, teaching like they had never heard before, didn't matter to them. Even many of the Jewish people who were, who were waiting for the Messiah to come did not accept God's gift of his son. So many others also refused <clears throat> to receive this gift of God. What a blessing it is that the Holy Spirit has penetrated so many sin-darkened hearts and minds and gave them the ability to see the light of the world beneath the human wrapping. Faith was given to recognize the glory and the grace and the truth of God in Jesus. Behind the baby, the teacher, the man on the cross, the man who lived even though he had died. God in the flesh, Jesus Christ, made the Father and his love known to all who see with the eyes of faith. You and I, sinners as we are, would not be able to see behind the fleshly wrapping if grace did not move the Holy Spirit to give us the gift of faith. But now we are the children of God who have seen the glory of Jesus. And we're not thrown off by the wrapping and the packaging. We get it. We know. That's why we're here this morning. That's why we worshiped last night why we've been celebrating for weeks. <laughs> it's why we're going to keep celebrating after today. By God's grace, we have seen his glory, the glory he has, as the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. We know who Jesus is, and we know how badly we needed him, and we know what he's done for us. It all started in a Bethlehem manger, the most precious gift wrapped in swaddling cloths and human flesh. And so we give him our prayers and our praise and our hearts and our lives until we see glory unhidden, God unveiled, as we join our Savior in heaven.
Amen. We pray. Lord Jesus Christ, our hearts are filled with love for you this day. As we celebrate your arrival that night in Bethlehem, and remember that you are the eternal God, yet you left your throne in heaven to come to save sinners. You came to be the light of the world, to dispel the darkness of sin, to pay the price for our guilt, to earn our salvation. Your spirit has allowed us to see you, the gift behind the wrapping of human flesh, and to place our trust in you. For these blessings, we worship you on this Christmas morning and always. Amen.